You have entered a place of forbidden magic, where arcane evils arise from the darkest pits of the unknown, where incantations stir unfathomable horrors to life, where one must only leave behind the safety and comfort of their known world to step onto the path of the unimaginable and stare into the void. Prepare yourself. This is Spooky House. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome to episode 149 of the Superhouse Podcast. This is Andrew, as always. And I'm once again joined by Stephanavius. Oh! And, as always, Matavius. Hello. And in this spooky house episode, we will first go over, we will first bring back Spooky or Dookie, and then I have a quiz for these guys here. More on that later. And then after that, we're going to be doing a reaction to the Dark Phoenix trailer, and then after that, we will be doing our main segment, which is a review of Hold the Dark, which is a Netflix hidden gem of sorts. And then Maddie will also do a quick rundown on some werewolf movies uh, to round out the episode. So anyway, let's get first started off with bringing back a time-honored classic, Spooky or Dookie. Take it away, Stefan. Okay, all right. Um, so we're just going to go right into it, huh? So I got you guys, I'm going to tell you a story and then you guys tell me whether or not it was spooky or if it was dookie. Um, I got <laughs> all these from, uh, the graveyard shift with, which is a site that's run by ranker.com nice. and they do really great lists of, you know, all different types of true crime, weird history, macabre shit. So, uh, I found, uh, I got this off a list called 19, uh, 19 scary stories scarier than any movie or some shit like that. Um, I'll post the link. Uh, but the first story is called Bodies in the Road from user Aqua Buddha Loves You. <laughs> okay. So, I was driving a shortcut from 29 Palms, California to Albuquerque, New Mexico. 29 Palms is located in the desolate high desert of east, Al- east of LA. The shortcut was completely a <clears throat> the shortcut was completely a two-lane road through total nothingness, except for passing through Amboy, California. Amboy is a nearly abandoned town nearly as far below sea level as Death Valley, with a dormant volcano and lava field on one side and a salt flat on the other. It was also, at the time, a hot spot for satanic group activity. <clears throat> so I was driving by myself in the afternoon. I stopped in Amboy and snapped a picture of the city sign just to prove I was there to friends who dared me to take that route to I-40. I got back in my car and proceeded to drive up into the mountain range between Amboy and I-40. Once I reach the top, I am driving north through a canyon with high grass on both sides of the road. Up ahead, I see some stuff in the middle of the road. As I approach, I slow down to see a red Pontiac Fiero stopped sideways across both lanes. A suitcase opened with clothes scattered everywhere and two bodies laying face down in the road. A man and a woman. I stop a hundred feet or so away and the hair on the back of my neck is standing up. Being a marine, I reach under the seat and pull out a 9mm pistol and chamber around. 
Something seemed very wrong. It looked too perfect as if it were staged. An ambush? Was I being paranoid? Something was just wrong. Getting out of the car seemed unthinkable. It was the horror movie move. As I scanned the road, I saw a line I could drive. Past the guy in the road on his left, swerved to the right side of the woman, behind the Fiero, and I'd be on the other side. I dropped it into first gear, punched it, and drove the line I planned. I passed the back of the Fiero without hitting it or either of the bodies in the road. I continued forward a couple hundred feet and slowed down so I could breathe and let my heart slow down. As I looked up into the rearview mirror, I saw that the two bodies had gotten up to their knees, and twenty or so people emerged from the tall grass on either side of the road by the car and the bodies. At that moment, my right foot smashed the gas pedal to the floor and did not let up until I had to slow down for the I-40 East on-ramp. <clears throat> I will never know what have happened to me had I gotten out of the car to check the bodies or stopped my car closer to them. Somehow, I do not think it would have been good. Sometimes, life can be scarier than a movie. What do we Maddie, think? you want to take that first? Yeah, I can take it. Um, uh, I think it had some potential, but there was just too much explanation. <laughs> it's like, I don't care. I've never been to where he is. I've heard of it, but that's uh-huh. all I need to know. You don't got to be Tolkien about this shit, man. <laughs> just get to that. Get to Tolkien. that spooky. But it's not spooky. It's dookie. Okay, oh, man. We got one duke. That's you. <laughs> You know what? I also got to give this here story a dookie. Oh, bummer. Um, I give it a spooky. Sure, it's a little long-winded there, but... Uh, a spooky, I like, so that I like... would mean... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I like the okay. idea of that many people waiting to ambush somebody. And this guy, the like the marine aspect of it, kind of drops out of nowhere or whatever. But yeah. I think it's an interesting setup. It's got a lot of good details in it, um, and him looking back after he's driven away a little bit to see them all moving, like get the fuck out of there. Anyway, I give it a spook. <clears throat> all like right. I said, I think it had potential. I just think there was too much. Like, and being a marine, it's like I don't care. You can just have a gun in your car, dude. It's unimportant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. No prob. Next story. The next story is called Creepy Man in the Gift Shop from user The Real Abe Froman. I was in a gift shop when I was around 13 and my family had gone to the bathroom. All of a sudden, I heard this noise behind me. It was this old guy who I swear looked exactly like Charles Manson. Swastika forehead tattoo, crazy eyes, long scraggly hair and beard, etc. He was looking right at me, playing with his noisemaker thing for, playing with this noisemaker thing for sale. He walked over to me and said, "Would you like anything? I'll buy you anything you like. Just come with me." I smiled nervously and walked away, but he followed me and told me he'd like to take me home. I walked away. The guy was about to follow me, but then he saw my mom come out of the bathroom and he bolted. To this day, I've never told my parents. Maybe he was just a nice old man, but after pondering for a while, I came to the conclusion that nice old men do not try to bribe young girls into coming home with them. What do we think? That's like real world spooky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I Which just think, is, yeah, in my cre- case, it's a spooky fucking story. Yeah, creepy little old mm. man in a gift shop. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> 
I gotta give it. Yeah, I'll give it a spooky as well. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Maddie? He just gave it a spooky, didn't he? I said, hell yeah. I too give it a spook. Just creepy old man. I, the only part that gets me is I, he looked exactly like Charles Manson. Swastika forehead tattoo and everything. Like that part, I'm like, I think it makes it a little weak. Because if it was just like this little pale, gray-haired, little creepy weirdo, then yeah, then it works just as good. <laughs> Our next story is titled, They Both Dreamed About Adam. From an anonymous Redditor. About a year ago, I was lying in bed drifting off to sleep with my wife. Asleep cuddled up to me on my left side like she always does. I reached that point where I could feel my conscious mind begin to fade. All at once I feel a slight chill on my right side, and I hear some sort of weird slow whispering that made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. It sounded like someone whispering something backwards, slowly. I was immediately awake and my eyes darted around the very poorly lit room, but I saw and felt nothing. I shrugged it off and went back to sleep. The next morning I'm getting my coffee and my wife mentions a very strange dream that she had last night right after she fell asleep. I asked what she dreamt and she told me, I dreamed I was lying in a bed next to you in our apartment just like normal except I was awake. I felt a strange presence so I looked up and standing at the foot of the bed was my friend Adam, not his real name. He looked at both of us then crawled up onto the bed and started whispering into your right ear. I thought it was a really weird dream. Oh yeah, her friend Adam killed himself about six months prior to this. I'm gonna have to give this one a good old. <laughs> <laughs> You're a jerk. I don't like it. Too bland, too plain, too really? not not creative enough. All right, but what if it really happened, bro? Yeah, but as a story. Uh... <laughs> All right, fair enough. What do you think, man? <laughs> Uh, I think I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I think the setup to the, re- the reveal wasn't as good, but the setup for it, just because I've watched, like I've had sleep paralysis and then watching the documentary, the nightmare, that stuff, mm-hmm. just like someone having the same dream or in out of that, like conscious sleep s- state is just weird. And a lot of weird shit can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I'm just gonna give it a spooky because I enjoy those kind of stories about people sharing yeah. dreams or <laughs> occurrences together. I did yeah. not think the reveal was that great because of being the dead friend or whatever. But yeah. that's fine. He was probably like, I always liked you better than her. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I picked it, so I obviously give it a spook. Uh, but yeah, I hear your I hear your complaints, I hear your grievances, and I <laughs> I don't disagree. Um, and I think that's fair enough. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. We have one more story in this. Oh, shit. Sorted uh, back alley oratory. Mm. Anyway, um, our next story is entitled It Was Ted. From user. <laughs> <laughs> from user Legend Tripper. <clears throat> Okay, my turn. This is the weirdest thing that has happened to me. During my junior year of high school, a student in my grade hung himself. He hung himself on a private residence road alongside a lake. I knew him and had talked to him on several occasions. I'll call him Ted. Ted was the class weirdo. That was his thing. Everyone called him Ted the alien. So Ted would walk around class and say, 
Meep. Cut to three months after he hung himself, my girlfriend and I are sitting on a dock by the lake, a few streets down from the tree Ted used to hang himself. It's about 8 p.m. and the sun is going down, and I notice that someone has sat down on the dock next to us about 30 feet away and is staring out across the lake. I think nothing of it and continue talking with my girlfriend about random stuff. Then I hear it. It's real low, like a whisper. I glance over and look at the figure, and they are standing, staring over the lake. I brush it off and keep talking. Then I hear it again. This time I know it came from the figure. It was too loud and obvious, and obviously from their direction. I turn to say something, and the figure is floating towards us across the water. Then it vanishes. My girlfriend didn't see it or believe me, but I know it was Ted. And I should have been scared, but I wasn't. It was just Ted being Ted. Do it first, Maddie. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just going to give that a big old dookie. Oh, she floated across the water. <laughs> you guys are lame. Lame. I just have high standards for this. Yeah. All right. We'll do Reddit next time. He's a horror connoisseur. I'm going to have to also give it a... <laughs> <laughs> Tried, tried. <laughs> Pearls before swine. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it hey a man, spook. I think I did two out of. I think I got. I enjoyed two of them out of four. Four. Yeah. He All was right, more so. gracious than me. Yeah, fair enough. And I don't only, think it's like I get why you like them. I just it takes a little more for me. Yeah, and the only thing Andrew is scared of is missing lunchtime. That's true. <laughs> I mean, you I am too. do not I mean, want to see the monster important. he turns into when it's half past noon. If I'm, I'm scared of not getting my coffee before <laughs> 9 a.m. That's me. <laughs> anyway, okay. that was spookier dookie for this edition. Uh, I'll try harder next time. Fuck yeah, man. That was still awesome, though, dude. Fucking Woo! yeah. Spookier dookie's back. <laughs> Originally right. brought to you by <laughs> Johnson, <laughs> but now we're taking the reins. <laughs> <laughs> from them uh all right so we're gonna move straight on into the next thing which other than one count chocula question there's not much to do with uh <laughs> with halloween. halloween but johnson kind of inspired me i really love the captain crunch questions on the last one so i made a cereal <laughs> quiz um it still has to do with pop culture and stuff cool. so uh i thought it'd be kind of fun so uh, to, to explain it to everybody, uh, make it real simple once again. I'm asking the questions. Maddie and Stefan will be answering, and they'll do it one at a time. And uh, if you get a question right, then you'll answer the question uh, last, giving the person another the uh, the person that didn't get it right the uh, the first try on the next one, just mm-hmm. to try to keep everything kind of you know uh, fair, easy, keep the game going. You know what I'm saying? Hell so yeah. everybody ready? Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Question number one. Which was not an original flavor in the first boxes of Trick cereal? Was it orange, grape, lemon, or cherry? I think I know this one. Uh, go ahead, Maddie. Uh, grape. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> Woo. Dang. <laughs> All right. Because I remember, for a little story here. 
I remember I got tricks one time and the grape was not that good and I took a bite and I was like, what the fuck did tricks just do? <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome, consulted dude. little Maddie about adding a motherfucking grape into the cereal. Yeah. And I was really upset. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't a huge Trix fan, actually. I, I, I could eat it, but I was, it wasn't my go-to for sure. House. I love Trix. Oh, Trix man. Kind of want some right now, but I am added, stoned. Add, a little bit of added info. They don't all have added info, but this one uh, does, and it's uh, Trix was invented in 1954 by General Mills, and the cereal contains 46.6% sugar, <laughs> and the cereal's mascot is the Trix rabbit who debuted uh, five years later in 1959. Nice. All right. <clears throat> Second question. Love the factoids. Yeah. Um, which of these Kellogg cereals took 14 years to develop and was the company's first post-World War II cereal? Was it Apple Jacks, Corn Pops, Frosted Flakes, or Raisin Bran Crunch? Go ahead, Stefan. I'm going to go ahead and say... Corn pops. Damn, you guys want to fucking yes. roll, man. <laughs> Baby. Corn Pops was introduced in 1950 and is one of the top 15 best selling ready to eat cereals sold globally. That was their pick as well. Was it? All right. Woo-hoo. Yeah, because at, at Cracker Barrels, they'll have like old like ads up and shit on the wall. And I just remember yeah. seeing Corn Pops. I'm like, wow, I didn't really. as. Just as many times as I go in there, I'm like, man, I did not realize Corn Pops was that old. But Dude, they're all pretty fucking old, and the mascots are not much younger. Yeah. You know? It's, it's pretty interesting. Cereal. I could watch a documentary on this we're shit. Just, this is a cereal podcast now, so. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we're talking cereal. Awesome. I figured it was kind of on brand, though, because we talk a lot about cartoons and shit, so fuck, fuck yeah. it. Yeah. And those cartoon characters, it's all related. That's all right, so. Of what makes us super here at Super House. True. All right, number, question number three. <laughs> According to the book Serializing America, which of these cereals has the highest amount of sugar per serving? Was it Honey Smacks, Alphabets, Tricks, or Honey Nut Cheerios? And so Stefan got it first last time, so take it away, Maddie. I'm going to go Honey Smacks. You guys are fucking killing it this time around, man. Cereal experts. Can you believe that? Uh, So Honey Smacks contains 53% sugar, dude. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably why I never, like, I only had, like, a few. I remember enjoying it, but my parents wouldn't buy it for me a lot. Honey Smacks was a frog, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was an interesting cereal. It was like the candy corner cereals to me. Dude, who knew we know this much about cereal? This should have been the podcast from the beginning. <laughs> from the get go, yeah. I fucking love it. Joey should be here because he's he still eats cereal like every fucking morning, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um Go ahead, Seven. I eat like granola and shit like that now. More like I mean it's still like sugary, but it's like pseudo healthier slightly sugar. slightly better yeah or like yeah. puffins peanut butter or panda puffs or whatever i had puffins this morning actually thanks yeah. trader joe's i love cereal man yes yeah i do too <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad this is fucking working out <laughs> all right which marshmallow shape was added to lucky charms in 1975 so a little bit down the road was it the horseshoe the rainbow the diamond or the heart and does Maddie go first this time? 
I go. I first. went first last time. Oh, so Stefan, go first. I'm gonna say the rainbow. Oh, wrong. All right, Maddie. Seventies and diamond. That mm. oh. is correct. <laughs> the oh, fucking man. diamond, man. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, besides the Blue Diamonds edition, Purple Horseshoes were added in 1984. Rainbows in 1992. The wow. Pink Hearts have been... Yeah, the question was specific about 1975, I guess. The Pink Hearts have been an original shape from the beginning and the only shaped and colored marshmallow to survive all the changes. Dang. <laughs> you have like a fucking hour-long episode on the changes of fucking Lucky Charms. Dude, the history runs deep, man. I got this. I mean, I'm not... I I want to do it. We're doing a deep dive into cereals next. Ready? Ready, I got this. Hearts, stars, and horseshoes, clovers and blue moons, pots of gold and rainbows, and their red balloons. That's newer, but yeah. Did you look that up, or did you, you memorize I that? I remembered it! Damn, that's pretty good, man. You know what you get for that? <laughs> That's my new character, by the way. I'm stealing it from Tom Hiddleston. Um, you sound like fucking Daffy I'm Duck or whatever guy. the fuck. Got you. Kind of like that. What the fuck has happened to you, man? You Tom Hiddleston. Sugar high? Side 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 tangent. Tom Hiddleston did this really kind of terrible skit with MTV at one point where he was doing this villain who was just get you on really minor inconveniences, like hand you a cup of coffee and be like, "It's decaf." I'm the bad guy, and he'd run off. Um, so I'm going to make it my own and make it better, but he's great. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I got that character from. And scene. Oh, <laughs> was that a real one this time? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here we go. Question number five, which cereal had the slogan kid tested mother approved? Was it kicks? Honey Nut Cheerios, Cheerios, or Cocoa Puffs, and Maddie first this time? Sorry, yep. I keep forgetting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Kicks. Correct. Oh. I love Kicks, dude. I fucking loved Kicks. That was going to be my next question, yeah. which is not part of the, the quiz here, but I, I don't know. I, they weren't like my favorite. I could eat them, but I wasn't into them. Stefan, did you like them? I always liked Kicks with lead. Lead. It was, a, it, was a, it was a flavor they had for just a, a year, when they're testing it out. Kick, kicks paint with chips. lead. Kicks, kicks with, with ar paint ar chips. Ar arsenic. <laughs> just kidding. I like kicks. It was all right. It was my mom would buy it because it's like it was just slightly sweet enough to like. Yeah. All right, it's kind of fun to eat, but it's really basically just like Rice Krispies puffs. You know, like puffy corn pieces. Um, but way right. easier to eat because sometimes get Rice Krispies get like. They're just my so mom, tiny, dude. They make yeah. a cool fucking sound, but they're just so tiny. My mom would hear the slogan of that commercial and be like, that's right. You know, like, she, she loved it. She kid tested, that's mother right. approved. That's By the correct. way, Stefan, your mom recently posted on, when I posted that Mira uh, Barbie doll. Yeah. Oh, your yeah. Your mom straight up said, I want to be her on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my mom loves like a majestic, like warrior princess type. So Wonder yeah. Woman's straight up her alley. She loves Wonder Woman, Xena, you know, she's always liked the kick-ass chick that shows up in a movie or something. Why the fuck wouldn't you? It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. into that. So she's she's digging on Mira. She also loves uh, Jason Momoa quite a bit, so. You know what I say to you, Sandra? 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> you better not do a fart noise. Sandra will come after us. No, no, no. <laughs> Please, Shout love out us, to Sandra. Moms. What, what? All right. Um, <clears throat> question number six. Which was the original monster cereal produced by General Mills in, in the 1970s? Was it Frankenberry, Count Chocula, Booberry, or Fruit Brute? <laughs> um, Stefan? Yes. Yes. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say Booberry. <laughs> Maddie? Ugh, it's between two. Yeah. Mm, I just don't know what would have been more popular at the time. But I do love me a vampire. So, Count Chocula. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Son of a bitch. God damn it. Motherfucker. God. Yeah. I'm okay. Count All Chocula right. and Frankenberry were both introduced in 1971, but Count Chocula was the first. Booberry was introduced in 73, and Fruit Brute, which I thought was fake, is in 1975. Fruit Brute was discontinued in 82. Okay, that makes sense. But the other three cereals are still being made today. Count Chocula, chocolate frosted cereal with chocolate marshmallows, easiest to find and most popular among consumers. Uh, the same three cereals had a facelift in 1995 to make their scary mascots look more kid-friendly. Lame. <laughs> like, eat me. I'm good. I gotta say, man, I was I love cereal, but Rush. I wasn't a fan of the chocolate cereals. Yeah, me either. Yeah. No. Too much. It always felt dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> My mom's like, too I'm much. buying you chocolate. <laughs> I'm not buying you chocolate or cookies for breakfast. But it says it's okay on the box. <laughs> Cookies for breakfast. Oh, that one man. was a long time coming. And then I finally had it, and I was like, that's what everybody's been talking about. <laughs> it's true. It's, it was not that good. I'd much rather just have a cookie and just, some milk. Yeah. Can I just have a fucking regular cookie? should have listened like, to my mom. Yeah, like, co like Cocoa Puffs and all that. I just, I just wasn't for me. Yeah. I loved Fruity Pebbles. Yes. Fruity Pebbles, Corn Pops. Apple Jacks, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, those are my jams. Noise. Noise, noise, noise. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Moving on. Number seven. Sugar Smack's original mascot was who? Was it... Smacksy the Seal? Sonny the Cuckoo Bird? Chip the Wolf? Or Diggum the Frog? Uh, Maddie. I'm just going to go with Diggum the Frog just because it was a, it was a frog later on. So... <laughs> Stefan, I think you're looking for Sonny the Cuckoo Bird. Wrong. Fuck! <laughs> this is pretty much it? a trick question, man. Uh, the correct answer is Smaxy the Seal. Really? Uh, That's the one that yeah. I thought you made up. No, because <laughs> the question was Sugar Smacks, not Honey Smacks. Oh, <laughs> you fucking trickster! I believe some, somehow Sugar Smacks became Honey Smacks gotcha. down the line and changed uh, and changed mascots as well. I believe that's how it works. So, yeah, right. that was this is probably the most difficult question in the whole fucking list. Um, right. We're already more than halfway through, but let's keep on going. So, question number eight: Chip the Wolf is the mascot of Lucky Charms, Frosted Flakes, Cookie Crisp, or Apple Jacks? Uh, Stefan. Uh, Cookie Crisp. That is correct. 
my main clue was that his name was Chip, as in yeah. chocolate chip, as in chocolate chip cookie, as in cookie crisp, as in cookies for breakfast, as in cookie crisp. <laughs> Mom, I need some cookie crisp. <laughs> I also couldn't eat this one that much. I don't know what it was. Although I probably yeah. liked it more than Cocoa Puffs. Cookie crisp. I did like that, though. That wolf could sing. Yeah, man. He had them <laughs> pipes. <laughs> cookie crisp. Baby. All right. <laughs> Crazy Craving is the mascot of who was it? Or of which cereal? Honeycomb, Frosted Flakes, Captain Crunch, or Cocoa Pebbles, Maddie? It was, what was the name of it? Crazy Craving? Crazy Craving. Honeycomb. Yep. Amazing. Yeah, I remember those commercials Amazing. were great too. He was all <laughs> like zip around. He's like, gotta give me some. This is not like a, an actual impersonation of this character, but it's just what I remember, right? He would like run through <laughs> and like. sound more like fucking Tasmanian devil, man. <laughs> I guess you're right. But yeah, I remember this guy. And they had some cool 3D animation with these where he'd like tear around like in a tornado. I, I didn't ever know his name, I think. Yeah, me either. I, I, I loved Honeycomb was also one of my go-tos, and I mm, don't think yeah. I knew that. So good. Yeah, I didn't know he had a name either. He was just a, was just a force so of nature. Right now. I want all <laughs> yeah. the cereals. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, final question. Question Ooh. number 10. What is the chef's name that makes Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Was it Wayne? Winston? <laughs> Wendell? <laughs> Or Wyatt. Uh, is Stefan? Stefan's turn? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Wendell. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Really good. And I hope you've been following at home because I haven't. <laughs> who, who won this shit? <laughs> oh, I shit. did. Yeah, I think Maddie Maybe Maddie, did. yeah. By I only got one margin. wrong. Nine questions. I got three wrong. Okay, so that would be Maddie, yeah. yeah. And you Sorry. should keep a tally, you son of a bitch. Dude, it is hard when I'm doing all the sounds and the sights I'll and keep sounds a tally. and all the fucking do-do-do-do <laughs> and all this. I'll remember to keep the tally next What do I get? <laughs> yeah, when the, what is, yeah, what is it? And then tell him what he wins. You win a 10 Oonga Boonga points. Oh, that's Wait, right. What, is that tra- what does that translate Oonga to? Oonga Boonga points translates into Superhouse coin, which then translates into Ripple coin. And by the time <laughs> you get to actual dollars, it's about 0.000089% of a cent. <laughs> I'll take it. Oonga Boonga. Oonga Boonga. <laughs> it was funny in the last episode, Stefan, because you said "boonga boonga." <laughs> it's like, yeah. can I get some "boonga boonga" <laughs> points? Boonga boonga points. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, we have a good time here at Super House. <laughs> that shit was so. You good, might even man. call it Super Funny House. Yes. All right, so this concludes the serial quiz for this episode. Yes. I'm glad everybody liked it. I'm going to give everybody another. Woo! All right. (laughs) I won. I lost. I lost a lot. (laughs) So going into the next thing, uh, we're going to be reviewing that there Dark Phoenix trailer. Let's get that fucking. uh... (laughs) This this is spooky and dookie. I'm scared for the a whole bunch of dookie is all I know. Okay, so now we're going to review. And probably take a big old dookie on that Dark Phoenix trailer. The mansion. You think you can fix me? You are not. Professor X. It's that young one. So far, just normal shit you'd expect to happen. 
Yeah. I, at this point, I was really interested at, you know, the beginning of Jean and Charles' Charles's relationship. What did you do? This pretty much hasn't cool. this the ex uh, cerebro that look hasn't changed since the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's the binding element. Cool car crash. I'll give him that. Yeah. Didn't, didn't see that. The terrible ass costumes. He that? looks great. I'll say that. I do like he's Paul a great, James McAvoy. As he's a great ex. Yeah. You know, he also offered to play young Picard on the next on the Picard thing that they're Very making. Cool. Yeah. He doesn't look so bad, I guess. I mean, they all look okay. Still don't understand why Beast is just not Beast all the time. Yeah. Maybe because, uh... Makeup time. Uh, this is bad, but I feel like that Cyclops just isn't tall enough. Yeah, he's a little short looking. It just throws me off. And I like her as Jean. Costumes could be a lot better. Costumes are the weakest part of this trailer. That line is terrible. That just means we didn't know what to write in our script, and so this yeah. is what we have Michael Fassbender saying. Disney was in the middle of going up our ass in the middle of this production. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This one's probably just gonna be a. Here's another fucking X Men movie. Get him next time, Kevin Feige. God, she's sexy. I like that yeah. font and the X and all that. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I like that it's not directly like X-Men, Dark Phoenix or whatever. Like, it's its own thing, more or less. But it seems like that, right? It looks... I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Well, Stefan, you already started. So, uh, what do you think of this trailer in general? Um, I think it looks, so far, just looks kind of boring. The dialogue bits seem, like, really forced... And but everybody looks good, and I'm always down to watch an X-Men movie. Hopefully, it's better than this trailer leads on. Um, the costumes, yeah, could be a little better, and maybe on trailer two we'll get a little bit more action, maybe like in some X-Men powers, because this one was really just kind of like uh, setting up what felt like a really long-winded thriller or something. All right, Maddie. I just think it looks so lame and boring <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's just like I just don't think the Dark Phoenix thing should be done again it just never seems to work out when they film it yeah. I just don't know why they decided to do this now <laughs> um, I like I want X-Men movies I'm not saying I don't I'm just ready for Marvel to get X-Men back so they can make legit X-Men movies mm-hmm because it's a bunch of people just thinking they can make some deep-ass X-Men movies when that's fine. You can put some of those messages into X-Men. It's just like, man, but they just hark on that shit so hard in these movies. Mm -hmm. Like, they forget what makes X-Men fun. Like, yeah. this movie doesn't look like... I mean, I know it's a first trailer, but there's, like, no mutant powers, really, except for Phoenix. It's just like... <sighs> One like, Nightcrawler uh, teleport. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, uh, dude, I just, I don't know. I'm just ready for, I don't know who's directing this. That's how little I care. I was, uh. And, you know, I do, I wish they would just call it X-Men Dark Phoenix. People know, might not know what the fuck it is. Seems well, like a trend. Like the casual like, viewer. At this point, all of them have had X-Men in it. It just, yeah, I just kind of want it at this point. 
It is officially titled X-Men Dark Phoenix on IMDb. Um, and it is directed by Simon Kinberg. Oh, yeah, Kinberg. Yeah, so Didn't Simon, he do the first Daredevil or some <clears throat> shit? He wrote, I mean, the uh, Dare, Daredevil on Netflix or no? He wrote Logan, The Martian. That's Drew Goddard. Um, oh, yeah. He would pro- or, no, he produced Logan. He produced The Martian, produced The Fantastic Four. That was shitty. Produced Days of Future Past. Uh, he was a writer on Star Wars Rebels a little bit. He wrote X-Men Apocalypse. He wrote The Fantastic Four. That was not that good. Yeah, he actually wrote Days of Future Past. Um, this means war with some fucking people. He wrote he wrote the Sherlock Holmes with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law. He wrote uh, Jumper. <laughs> wow! Oh, this and is he, not looking. And very he also good, wrote X Men: The Last Stand. So what? Really? Yeah, he wrote. But that was uh, Ratner directing, though. So that's, State that, of the that got fucked up. That's true. He's re- he's produced on Legion. He helped produce Deadpool two, and you know he's he's involved. He's, he's in produced, the mix. He's a producer on Gifted. Deeply um, in the mix. Logan, Murder of the Orient Express, Deadpool, Chappie. He's you know he knows what's going on. He just doesn't know how to write. Potentially, he produced. He was a producer on Elysium. <laughs> I thought this trailer was like. I kind of agree with you guys. Class. It's it's pretty much underwhelming. Yeah. Um, I think that's because it's a few things. Like, yeah, you don't see many powers. It nobody's having fun in it, and I know that Dark Phoenix is kind of a darker story, and you have to kind of be acquainted with X Men by the time you got there. But they have had like fucking twelve movies at this point, so I guess it's fine. Yeah. But um, I don't know, like. Like you guys know, we we've all we all have a history with this storyline because I'm Stefan. It seems like you've read the actual story. Yeah, I actually haven't. I started today on Comicsology, um, but like when I watched this when I was a kid, I want I actually wanted I wanted to say this on the podcast. Um, it was the first time I had seen a character go through extreme emotion oh, cool. on screen. And that sort of deeply affected me as a huh. kid. And, of course, I've seen it since then. But, I th- like, seeing Jean Grey go absolutely nuts and hysterical. Yeah. Like, I was just so invested in these characters by that point. And then when we got to dark, to the Dark Phoenix saga, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the it just, like, blew my, it blew my mind. I was, I was so in love with that storyline. And I love the fact that she's, like, the strongest character in the whole Marvel Universe. She did some research this past week and seems like the way they write them and the way they balance out these characters is that she can beat Thanos with the infinity gauntlet if they were to go toe to toe. Um, because the, the Phoenix force itself is like, it's up there with the celestials and it gets into that crazy era era of the cosmic Marvel universe. Um, it comes from like a fucking gym or something. Uh, the Phoenix there's Force? a whole other like there's a whole like side mythology with the with the Phoenix Force that they've mm-hmm. they've written, which is really fun and cool. Um, that's sort of a tangent, but costumes they're not looking that great. And then I sort of played devil's advocate with myself after I made that post. I was like, well, maybe they're just kind of like their uh, their school uniforms, you know? And school uniforms mm-hmm. often aren't that great. But at the same time, it's like this is a movie, and we've seen. Deadpool 2 do it so much better in my opinion. Yeah. 
And that's Deadpool. I mean, you don't have to explain all this stuff. They just like, do they just not have that much of a budget? Like, why? Why are these costumes just not great? And yeah. and also we see, as far as what I remember, because I haven't seen it in years, but her turning into the Phoenix is more or less the beginning of this storyline. Correct? Yeah, I think so. So well, yeah, it shouldn't be that much of a fucking giveaway that you just show Jean Grey turn right the fuck into yeah. Phoenix in, to, <clears throat> yeah. in this fucking storyline. That's what we want to see. Just give it away because if there's a whole lot of other story, that part doesn't matter that much. Give us some spectacle right in the trailer, which they do not do. And I think that that's a mistake. And I know that probably my other theory is that they might be wary of showing a girl go Super Saiyan in a trailer that's a Marvel movie, superhero, because Captain Marvel just was released. Mm. But still, though, you know, that's kind of yeah. what we want. So, Even, uh, yeah, do the other mutants, yeah. you know, do some beast flying around and Cyclops optic blast and, you know, Magneto throwing cars and shit. Isn't it at the end of Apocalypse, aren't they all, like, in, like, some classic, like, looking outfits, like, when they're in the yeah. danger room or whatever? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just fucking use that, dude. Like, if there's anything that's proven time and time again, we want to see them in their fucking outfits. Hell yeah, we do. Yeah. And, yeah. I, mean, ta- I mean, take them from any, like, you could do the 90s cartoon yeah. or any iteration. It's just, like, I don't think the whole team wearing the same suit dynamic really works. Yeah. This and is it's where, been tested. Yeah. And every time this fucking the new X Men movie comes out and they got their costumes on, we're all like, "God damn it, those costumes look like shit." Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Yeah. Except for Deadpool. I mean, even Colossus. Well, I mean, like those. I mean, all of that's them. not like a team thing. I, yeah. I know, but it just they like they understand what we want the most. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. You and know, I was really hoping that like at the end of Apocalypse, this would be the continuation. So we would see Jean in a costume that resembled hers because, like, Cyclops has, like, the belt fucking mm-hmm. thing with the X. I don't know how to explain what the fuck he wears. And then Nightcrawler's wearing more of, like, a Nightcrawler outfit. And it's like, sick, finally. And then this is like, no, yeah. probably not. It's like, god damn it. It's like, I get, like, enhancing certain stuff. I want to say this real quick. So something else dropped today that was not a trailer. It was just a poster. And I got more excited about a fucking poster than I did a fucking trailer showing me things, telling me what to expect. Right. I saw that new Hellboy poster. I was like, holy fuck. Take my money now. Yeah. I don't even want a trailer. I'm seeing this. And I'll pay $40 to see it right now. I got to say, the Hellfire the sword or whatever the fuck that is. I it's love that sword. Excalibur. That Excalibur. It's, got it's Excalibur. Excalibur. Okay, it's that's Excalibur. Fucking love that. And I love the look of that. I love how red it I love, is. <laughs> yeah, I love the slogan "Legendary AF." That's so good. That shit is sick, dude. I cannot wait to see the this new take of Hellboy. Mike McNoll's more involved. What's the director's name? I already forgot. Um, nah, I don't Marshall. know. Neil Marshall and fucking David Harbor as fucking HB baby it's gonna be so good and he's already HB. got he's already got Excalibur like in the in the frame like I feel like they're gonna try and somehow encapsulate the most biggest important parts because really if you break it down you could cut out all the side stories and mash together a pretty epic fucking Hellboy movie maybe a trilogy who knows hopefully That's be tight. I hope it's great it, it looks just the poster alone you're right Maddie it looks fucking fantastic by comparison blown blown out of the water all right, same target. That's that, that that does look great. But let's go back to Dark Phoenix. Any all right? So Wait, we I all taking want, a pretty much shit on. Let's talk more about it. this Hellboy poster, people. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. Uh, anyway, we we shoehorned it in there. I'm happy. 
Yeah. All right. So we're 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 giving it a big old fucking. <laughs> that wasn't even that big, man. I'd okay, big, bigger than maybe that. Some, maybe a fart into some diarrhea would be yeah. more. <laughs> Do you have any diarrhea? Want to hear diarrhea? There you go. One of these, you know. Yeah. So this trailer, we all. <laughs> it's a big. It's a big dookie. This fucking. <laughs> Give me the loon. <laughs> okay. Alright. <laughs> the soundboards are fucking fun, man. Difficulties. <laughs> we lost Andrew. <laughs> oh man. We got a case of the giggles. <laughs> so good. Okay. Uh is that pretty much it? Any final thoughts on the Dark Phoenix trailer? No, nah. it sucks. Yeah. Alright. Seems like they're kinda just like sending it out like call Dark Phoenix, fucking get it out there and then let Disney fucking make all that money now, I guess. Guy some guy <laughs> box right now is just jumping out of a window. <laughs> <laughs> There's some rumor that they're gonna try to fucking get that Gambit movie before still yeah. like they're they still trying to get that done before Disney really takes the reins. But who yeah. knows? Who knows? It's already could, a done deal. I could I think. live my entire life without seeing Channing Tatum as Gambit. <laughs> I could live yeah, me happily. Too. But I name really Jeff. want a Gambit movie. Yeah, yeah. That's what's always been missing. Especially you know we grew up with that cartoon and Gambit was always there. And, dude, that's what the, that's what. That's what they need to do when Marvel finally takes the reins. Be like, you remember all those other X Men movies? Just open it. Like the trailer just has to be the opening scene with them running, mm-hmm. of the '90s cartoon, and I'll be like, sick. This could be awesome. That would be amazing. Yeah. Okay, so now we're gonna head into the second to last uh, segment of this here episode, and that is to talk about Netflix original film Hold the Dark. Yeah, <laughs> great cast. So, Matt, do you right. have, like, a normal format here? Or? Yeah, sort of. I feel like this movie kind of lends itself to for us just to kind of freeform talk, just because, I mean, cool. the only other thing I can think is to break it down by big, huge plot things that happen, but I feel like Andrew probably has some questions. Stefan might have some. And I'm kind of... I've read the book, and I've seen the movie. I watched it oh, twice, oh, actually. Oh, it's a book. Okay, so, cool. Nice. Yeah, I just uh, want to say that I, from a lot of people I talk to about the podcast, they're always suggesting that we review more Netflix originals. Um, I know I've been kind of apprehensive to it in the past, but I'm really glad we did this one and I'm super stoked on doing more Netflix original movies because it doesn't seem like a lot of podcasts and other things are... uh, Definitely got to be a horror too this month for sure. For sure. Well, we have the... So just the things to look forward to for listeners is The Haunting of Hill House, which is a limited series, which I think we should do. Yeah. Maybe at the end of the month, that way everyone gets a chance to watch it. Maybe do it at, like the send off for the month or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Apostle, um, which is by the director of the Raid movies, but it's his like cult horror uh, nice. yeah. oh, film. Gareth so we'll definitely great. be doing that for sure. Gareth I'm, Evans, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. it. But uh, so uh, yeah, we're gonna do Hold the Dark. The novel was written by William Garaldi. Um, the movie is uh, directed by Jeremy Solner, written by Macon Blair, which he actually he's in all the dudes' movies, and nice. he wrote Love that, that movie with Elijah Wood. No, uh, I forget what it's called. It's another Netflix original, but it's got Elijah Wood, and it. it's like the end of the fucking world. Or no, that's not hmm. it. But uh, it's really good too. He wrote and directed that. So if you dig like his like adaption style or just oh, the cool. stuff he's written, because him and Jeremy Solner usually work together on scripts and stuff. Um, so, uh, stars Jeffrey Wright, Kai, uh, what is her name? Riley Coe? Is that her name? I think so. She's the girl in it. Cute. And, 
and uh, Alexander, Alexander Skarsgård. These guys just yeah. making the rounds. So Skarsgård brothers getting all that money. That <laughs> motherfucker um, right there. So what we generally do here on Super House Podcast Reviews is general thoughts. So Andrew, give me the general right. thoughts. I, I pretty much liked it. I didn't love it, though, just because I felt like the, the way it ended, man, it's just a little bit... It's like kind of underwhelming, uh, and I I felt some things were confusing. Like after like sitting with it for a bit, I kind of felt like I understood a little bit more of it. Like, but right after I saw it, I was like pretty confused, and I don't I'm, I don't know why. I just had a few questions about like so. Just get there. 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 There's a theory that they're lie. brother and sister, oh, right? Okay, so they are, and then. So who was the who's the dude that the old white dude that gives them the that has the mask there that he takes? He is. They call him. He's like he uh, Alexander Skarsgård character. Vernon says, "Where's the Indian killer?" So I assume he is some sort of not good person. That's why his life gets ended. He seems like a guy that would be like, what you buying? You know, like yeah. he seems I mean, like that kind of guy. I mean, he has more of a backstory in the book and there's more of a conversation about like uh, Vernon's character in the book can't remember why he went to this certain place with his dad and how he remembers. And there's a lot more to that, but I'm not going to get into the book a lot. Just like I can clarify some things, I just don't want to do like a fucking book review and a movie review. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but that's a little more fleshed out. But I thought it was necessary because that's where he gets his wolf mask from, and like that releasing your like the wolf inside you, which is just basically like you know just letting yourself go and just becoming the maelstrom that you could become. Hell yeah. Um, so I I like that they added that. I don't think it's super necessary. Like I don't. It was a weird thing in the book, and it's a weird thing in the movie, and you just kind of got to keep reading and keep watching and get past it and just be... I just always chalked it up to it's part of this culture of living in Alaska, and things are fucking weird out there, dude. Like, it's not oh, yeah, the same as so living s- in a city. So, yeah, this dude I, makes I wolf imagine. masks, he, like, trades shit, he helped, you know, he gave her a pair of boots, he helped her get on her way, even though he probably knew that she killed her son. Mm-hmm. So, the guy's just kind of like... He is that. What are you? What are you selling? What are you buying? Guy? Yeah, he's just like he's there to do whatever it needs to be done. Yeah. You know? So she she kills her son mm-hmm. in order to get him back. I this no because he's coming back because of the bullet wound. She has right. no idea what's happening with him. Right. So Jeffrey Rush at a point, or Jeffrey Wright at a point says, "It's called savaging." When he sees the wolf eating the baby the little yeah. baby cub in the scene mm-hmm. and that's basically what's happening she's had he this goes, huge like mental he goes, it's not, collapse yeah. he goes it's not uncommon or something like that when he's talking about it it's not uncommon with wolves or whatever yeah as being like a metaphorical parallel to her it's like the mental illness of like like uh mothers killing their children and shit like that's also not very uncommon with humans but anyway but yeah, I think it's just like she couldn't deal with her husband being away and carrying the burden or her brother, up. right? Yeah, okay. yeah, because they're not married. There's nothing. She doesn't have a ring on. They've just always lived together, and I think it's just easier to call yeah. them husband and wife. And she but says oh, so they're not brother and sister. They are brother and sister. Then they're not married, so it's incestuous. But it's subtle, yes. but yeah, and it's yeah, subtly, yeah. They're, yeah. 
Because she says she says I've he's I've known him all my life. Like there's yeah. not a memory I have that he's not in. Yeah. So it's a good. It's a nice subtle like. Oh, you know. And there's and also so, little nods to like the old man who gives who he gets his wolf mask from is like. He says they look really similar and they have the same hair and same eyes. So, mm-hmm. oh yeah, at that uh, point, yeah. like it's you're like, oh shit, they brother so, and sister. And the, um, they're releasing I, their wolf nature, yeah. which is just essentially means just becoming a rampant killer and just killing everybody around them. Well, and then there's also the the natives' theory about them that their their bloodline is like cursed by this yeah. wolf spirit. Did you watch the movie, Bush? I did, but this <laughs> this kind of shit is just so hard for me to follow for some reason. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's, yeah, also, there's some oh. kind of like spooky leanings going on there. You know, it's like, what do you want to believe? You know, it's obviously mental illness in like the pragmatic sense. But then all the natives are like telling Jeffrey Wright, like, you're in the wrong place. You need to get out of here. There's shit yeah. here. You're not you have no idea about. And we're just on the edge of barely keeping it contained kind of thing. Yes, yeah, so like the Native American woman, the Inuit woman, it seems like she knows that that woman is evil, but are we giving it is was there any information that she was? Like why does she think that? Well, I think just because she can sense the wolf spirit in her? She well, says that I think that, it's just because yeah. they're inbred and it's like unnatural. Yeah. yeah. And she says oh. that that girl knows knows true evil or something like that. So there's just yeah, there's something about it. And obviously when you first meet her, She's like she's like catatonic. She's like out of it. Yeah. So whatever mental illness, i.e., quote unquote, demons that she's possessed by, are very evident in certain ways to the natives and other ways to like the cops, for instance, who are just like, you know, running this like your your first forty eight kind of deal. Okay, and I only have one more question, and then I think I'm done. But. <laughs> The sorry, it's just I have a hard time with these movies yeah, for some reason. No, it's yeah. like this That's and Hereditary, it just gets hard for me to follow. So at the end, they they pretty much accomplish their goal of just being together, and then they can run off and into the wilderness with each other. Or like, is that pretty much what you're supposed to gather? So yeah, I mean that's what happens. So like Vernon is there to kill her. I mean like when he throws her up against the cave wall and is like choking her out. Mm-hmm. He's gonna kill her. In the book, he's just like he's trying to, but he can't because he loves her. Mm-hmm. And he realizes, so it's wolf like, despite, nature versus human love nature. Yeah, sort I mean, of thing. it's just like as much of like because I mean, I think there's a scene where after he gets shot in the neck in the book, I'm not super for sure, but I think he kills off some of the people who were shooting at his troops. Like he holds like his neck and just like takes out like a couple of guys before he passes uh-huh. out. So like Vernon's a badass. Yeah. You know, like, he's just, like, a no-bullshit kind of guy. Like, he has his... The way he does... The way he lives his life, and if you're in the way of it... Like, when he kills those cops, he's like, I'm burying my son. I'm not allowed to, but I'm fucking doing it. Yeah. yeah. You know, because he's on the run the entire rest of that movie. I had one more question. Sorry. Just thought of this. So... He finds the body of the son, puts it into the box, and then it seems like he's already into uh, the local religion there with the blood put on the box and all that. So is he trying to bring the son back alive via this ritual? No. Like, what no. exactly is that? It was burial rites. It was uh, It was like they're the natives, because he was, he, Vernon was really tight with also that one Native American guy and the other. Chiang. Gian, yeah, and uh, they seem that they seem to be part of that same line of culture where, you know, your burial rites, you're burying your blood, you know, you're you're writing your name in whatever language it is or his name or something, and just it's a ritual, you know. 
Okay, so it is just basically a funeral of sorts. Yeah, yeah, putting the putting the boy to rest because all this time he's been stashed away in some house. And the father should do that, and or somebody blood related should do that in their in that tradition yeah. and more she, than likely. Know, yeah, yeah. Okay, I d- thought that was going to be more supernatural the whole time I was watching it, and <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing ever, nothing much ever happened with that, which is not a big deal. I just, just didn't like that's this. That's another thing this movie does is that it's really like goes against, it, not goes against. A lot of it takes a lot of turns you don't expect, and people yeah. died unexpected times, yeah. and shit like that. So that was really good. And final comment: the uh, that that shootout scene was fucking awesome. Yeah, I love Did that you get scene. This fucking job one. Nuts. Yeah, I, I fucking love that scene. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Stefan, your general yeah. thoughts. Um, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, um, I hijacked that shit. I, uh, no, I really enjoyed it. The cast was great. I love the locales. The nature was beautiful. Um, uh, I read like some of the blurb, but really not too much. Kind of went in fresh. I saw that there was wolves in it. I'm like, I'm in. Um, and then, you know. Uh, Wolfie. Al- yeah. Ooh, ooh. Uh, <laughs> so Alexander Skarsgård is just amazing. He's just such an amazing person to watch act. And this character was like, I feel like there could have been a little bit more dimension to the way that he was represented in this. Um, somehow, maybe just uh, to uh, Vernon. Oh. He's, yeah. I would just say in the book, he's played, uh, just real quick, comparison to mm-hmm. book to movie, it's, mm-hmm. a, great, it's a great adaptation. Like, okay. it's, cool. He's played that way. There he's, is more backstory yeah. of like with him and his father that explains a little more. Yeah. But I don't really think you needed to do much flashback yeah. in this movie. I think you would have just ended up being more lost. And I think yeah. like the journey is better without some of the flashbacky stuff that you Vernon goes through. But yeah, for sure. I think the only flashback that you needed was when he's there talking with his kid. Yeah. And even though I don't like the kid's delivery on the line, like don't lie or whatever, it's like <laughs> it's it's interesting because you know you're talking about Vernon being this like no bullshit type of person. Like his progeny is also the same way. It's like don't fucking yeah. bullshit me about this. He's like I'm gonna get a gun and kill people as soon as I can too, Dad. It's just in our blood, you know, which also lends even further to that idea of them being like this this wolf, um, you know, in the Inuit's eyes, this wolf demon spirit, but also something genetic or some kind of like mental illness that runs through there, uh, or just like a threat of violence that just never died off from the old West in such a place so remote, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's still like this, like kind of like outlaw nature to the way they, cause they fucking fuck those cops up, man. They do not yeah. give a fuck. So that's like true outlaw shit, you know? Um, yeah. And uh, Jeffrey Wright, amazing as usual, really, really just an awesome actor. The whole time he was out there in the wilderness with, you know, the hat and the jacket and the boots on and everything, I was just like, this motherfucker was Basquiat, you know, like this motherfucker's on, on Westworld and and uh, yeah. what other movies was he in? Ride with the Devil, and you know, he's just such a badass actor, versatile character actor. Love him. This was such a good role for him. And I like how he was like a badass during that shootout. He was hiding just as much as the other kid, but the the other kid when he got shot up and stuff, and then he felt like he needed to help. Uh, but he he's a bit more of a strategist, I guess, or is familiar with being in tense situations in like hunter mode, tracing wolves and stuff. So, um, yeah, that whole scene was just unreal fucking <laughs> brutality, but just so beautiful in a way too, just like unending and 
well made. I just love this guy's movies so much. And what else could I say? Uh, uh, yeah, it was. I love the. I love the the introduction and then the stark contrast into the desert, and you get that little <laughs> bit of him at war and stuff, and then he's going home. And to see how this person who it's perfectly acceptable to be a mass murdering psychopath because that's your job. And then when you get back to the world, it really shows how, um, you know, maybe there's a small undercurrent thematically of, you know, soldiers coming back and still needing, you know, to, to, to kill or be violent or whatever. Um, and, uh, and it's like on so many levels, it has all these different layers, you know, somewhat of a horror film, great crime film, a thriller it dances on being supernatural and it's, you know, it's the cops and stuff. Their investigation of it is really great to follow. This guy's making the best Coen Brothers movies uh, right now. <laughs> you know, uh, the Coen Brothers have that good one, that, that one that looks pretty fun coming out. But at this point, their shit is kind of like a caricature, <laughs> it seems yeah. like. But that's a whole other discussion. Um, Jeremy Solner, Hold the Dark. I really enjoyed it. It was really meaty. It was weird. It was kind of scary. And I, I I will take more of this, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Stefan basically said it. Um, yeah, I will, I ended up seeing that this was his new movie, and then that it was based on a novel. So, and I was like, sick. I want to read this before I see it, which I don't know if it's always a good idea, but I can't not do it because <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I want to know, like, just to see how well it is adapted and stuff, and. Like, after, like, kind of reading the synopsis of it, I'm like, oh, this kind of sounds up my alley. Like, these wolves kill children in this town. That's all I need to know about. Yeah. Let's, go, let's read this book. Um, I was very surprised when, like, the casting came out that Jeffrey Wright was the main character because he's a white dude in the book. So that was pretty <laughs> sick. Um, That's and cool, I think, yeah. I, and I think uh, he encapsulates that character just as, what like, the way it was written. Um, it's like... When I watched, when I was watching him deliver the lines that I read, I was like, "Jeffrey, how did you know how I read this? How are you this good?" <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I loved him. I, dude, it was just like the only thing you can want from an adaptation is to be truthful to the source material. And Jeremy Solner, Macon Blair, that team of dudes who won me over with a movie called Blue Ruin, which is fucking yeah. sick. If you guys haven't seen it, watch it. It stars Macon Blair. If you want to know who that I'm talking about is, he's the guy that after Vernon gets shot by the old woman, he's the dude that fixes him up. And then he gets stabbed in the head yep. with a screwdriver. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That guy's great. Um, yeah, great scene. I thought he was going to get in a little tussle with him. I was like, oh. And then I was like, oh, this is going to be short-lived. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I loved yeah. it. I, I definitely think Jeremy Solner is making some great fucking like hard R movies. Mm-hmm. But that that have a story to tell. It's not he's not putting gore in it for gore sake. It's just like yeah. this is what happens when you get shot in the face. This is what happens when you stab a guy a bunch of times for raping someone. You mm-hmm. know, it's just like there's blood everywhere. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I like that he doesn't shy away from like he just goes for it. And I was kind of before he started this, I feel like in all of his movies, there's always one scene where you're like, you can you can cut away now. Oh, we're still going. Okay. Um, but, uh, like, uh, Green Room came to mind when they, like, Anton Yelchin's arm gets cut up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. just like there's oh. always that scene where you're like, oh my God, pull away. Like, he's really good at setting up that tension. Uh, he's the really shootout good, yeah. that Andrew was talking about, like, that's like 
when I read it and then when I saw it, I was like, God damn it, you guys were just like fucking on. Like, you read that book. You knew what was happening. Wow. Like, it's kind of set up the exact same way. Uh, it, it's a little longer in the book and a lot more happens. And I don't think he takes out as many dudes as fast. But to like kind of get you because I feel like the movie at some point dips in these kind of slow moments but it's really good because the stuff that gets you right back into it is this like ultra violent intense like, yeah. it's intense stuff and that was like a great scene to be like oh are you dozing a little bit I just shot a guy's <laughs> jaw off with a fucking high caliber <laughs> caliber machine like I don't know what the fuck yeah. that thing's called yeah that's how much I know about guns people um, you're, that thing was you're ridiculous high caliber machine it's armor armor piercing too right yeah boom 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 yeah. but and I love how realistic it looks I mean, that's how I would imagine if armor piercing rounds were hitting your body. Ugh, it man, would look um, scary. But um, yeah, I I loved it. I thought it was really good. I think I think a thing when you read a novel and then you go watch the movie is like you have these high expectations. I think they were met, but you can never like kind of get over like as you're like flipping pages, you know, uh, to get to the next moment. Um, I don't think you can really capture that in film. But I think it's a great movie. Uh, I definitely like you got to see this movie dude this guy's gonna be he's gonna get a franchise and then everybody's gonna go wait who yeah. the fuck where'd this guy come from and we're all here at Superhouse gonna be like we've been there day one <laughs> Matty yeah. told us about it fucking in like I would love to see this guy get like uh, uh, yeah, I, was I don't know I mean I don't even know what he should get but if I you know like something cool needs something to come dark something yeah I meaty. mean I think he'd make a fucking cool Constantine movie that'd be uh, cool yeah i could see that uh, he'd make um, a great 100 bullets yeah i've never read that but i'm gonna uh. disagree with stefan sure. <laughs> yeah. go with a, what you just said there's a lot of there's a lot of his kind of uh uh like thematic elements are very similar uh, like the reasons why people kill and stuff are a little bit more ambiguous than just some kind of like um you know some kind of like easily dude Get this guy the first R-rated Star Wars movie. (laughs) Boba Fett. Boba Fett. I think he'd be sick at Boba Fett, dude. Yeah, he would. But, you know, I mean, I I hope he, like, before he gets, like, caught into that big Hollywood will, makes several more movies. They're just as good as Blue Room, Green Room, Hole of the Dark, even Murder Party. I'd love to see him make another Murder Party-like movie, which people were wondering, it's more of a comedy, but a dark comedy, but definitely good for the Halloween season. Yeah, it's a fun little super low budget movie. And he already exhibits how good of a director he is in the, that first, that first outing. Yeah, and it's right. a good commentary against like uh, pretentious hipsters. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I actually had a question from a friend because I was talking about this movie, and I should have said this earlier. But <coughs> also a listener, he does listen sometimes. Uh, sometimes. So I'm not here we answering. go. Um, he's definitely listened before and so here it is Um, question from a listener do you think it was a curse on that place making him evil because he was heroic overseas Hmm. take it away Maddie. for Vernon being heroic over there well, uh, he he for, thought he was heroic I mean saved a girl from being raped I guess I don't know I think Vernon sees I think he see he definitely sees the world through his own eyes and what he thinks is wrong and right. And I'm not saying that what what his uh, companion was doing to that woman is completely wrong in all cases. Um, I just I don't really see Vernon as heroic. I just see him as someone 
who's good at killing knows how to do it and i've also read the book so i get a little more insight to vernon and he is kind of just like he's not like a deep thinker about a lot of stuff it's like oh so we're supposed to hit that convoy of people in that car well i'm on this 50 cal or whatever i'm fucking shooting them you know like he's just doing a job you know like he took the job because in the book his family can't like they're losing money so he took the job he became a marine to make money for his family he didn't do it because he's like this is the right thing i mean at any point do you think vernon is the person who does the right thing he does what he wants to do and what's best for the people he loves well for me too he doesn't seem totally heroic because he could have just gotten that dude off the girl and pointed his gun at him like get the fuck out of here you know, he, he just straight, he straight up murders this dude. And look, of course, this dude's raping a woman. Not good. But this guy straight up murders a fucking squad member or whatever the fuck you would call it. He didn't murder him. He hands the girl the knife to finish the job. Yeah. But he I mean, stabs that dude several times, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's not He's the way left he for dead. I mean, that's a lot of blood. I don't know. I have to see it again to get the anatomy of what's happened there. But it seemed like that guy was going to die before... The way I read that scene was that that guy was going to die even before he gave the knife to her. I mean, yeah, I'm sure he would have bled out, but I'm sure she made it more made it quicker or it was poetic. (laughs) It was a good scene. You know, it had a lot of meaning behind it. Him giving her the knife and showing this beautiful woman become just as like ugly and violent as he is, as his friend is and stuff to be able to survive out there. You know, it's like there's so much in that action in that act you know i mean but i think don't, but think I about in a real world Vernon, context though i mean that guy is not walking out of any court uh if he you know other events aside like if they just re- review that little case yeah like i just seem like morally ethically lawfully like that's he took it a bit too far because he had a gun on him <laughs> he could have just like yeah well, he he wanted, that would have been that would have been an insanely the thing is is he wants not, to he wants to give the girl the just like the satisfaction or the revenge or whatever right it is to what take she out deserves she gets to decide what it has nothing what, to do with Vernon. Yeah. he just levels the playing well, field for her no i would say it, it reflects a lot of the way like what you were saying the way he sees the world you know he gives her the decision what she's gonna do with it you know in that way to be like what do you think is right or wrong see i read but i still read this a bit differently because he doesn't just stab him once he stabs him like yeah they're not fucking like five times a fucking marine and that's just a girl we don't know what her background is he made he leveled the playing field for her i guess that's what it is and nothing nothing about what he's doing is heroic necessarily and i think they're trying to paint that picture too of these like military occupations and conflicts that are going on and Um, if he but yeah, he's just a stone cold killer, man, and he fucking that's how he uh, disabled the guy. He probably was about to kill him the way he was stabbing him, but then he thought that's what makes it so good dramatic. You can tell their gears are turning in Vernon's head and then he turns the knife and gives it to her rather than finish the job, you know. Like it seems putting, like putting he's the power bit, in her hand, literally putting the power in her hand. Like whenever he's in the convoy and he shoots and the other guys like taking selfies and and like having a good old time, he's just like stone faced, yeah, like kind of not into it. So it kind of seemed to me in that scene before you get to the rape scene, it, it, it kind of felt like they were trying to show him as more of a like he's definitely does not like war and this is not fun for him. He's just doing it, you know, mm. and maybe he's good at it, but he doesn't necessarily love it. But then yeah. we get to to this thing where 
he's like straight up stabbing motherfuckers and giving knives to yeah, I don't know it's just like yeah. it showed a little totally different not totally different but a kind of a different side yeah I mean in he's two scenes back to back he's definitely both of those scenes his introduction and that scene and every other scene he's in paint him as like a monster you know yeah. and there's nothing to answer your friend's question I don't think there's anything that was alluded to or intended to feel as heroic in any of those scenes okay that'd be my answer all right. Yeah, I mean, I think even if you did see that scene as heroic in his time overseas mm-hmm. as heroic, I think that goes out the window when he shoots the two cops for just trying to console <laughs> yeah. him about his kid. I mean, yeah. And I think that's yes. like if you had any doubts of his character, yeah. That sets the straight like you're not supposed to like this guy. Yeah. This is not a good guy. You don't want to be friends with him. I mean, I think like Jeffrey Wright's a cool dude and I'm sure I'd like to talk to him about wolves his character but like mm-hmm. he's not like a good father either <laughs> and he took the wrong job he's kind of a lot of jeremy soliner's main characters are kind of loserish in that way too you know like yeah. they make they make not so great decisions that get them embroiled in something yeah um, and i think the only character yeah. i really liked in the book and in the movie is the sheriff who ends up getting shot through the neck with an yeah. arrow and he, he is a badass great. dude he shot that dude from pretty far away with a bow and arrow yeah uh, dude Vernon yeah the cop the cop great. was really likable and it's like, uh, you know, he just had his, like, he's like 43 and he's having his first kid and there's all that, like, buildup. And it's like, when you're turning the pages in the book and he gets shot through the neck, you're like, God damn it, I knew this was going to happen, but fuck. Like, this mm. guy? Yeah. That was really uh, unexpected timing for me because yeah. I haven't read That's the book so and I was good, like, damn, yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. It was I, weird I, knowing it was coming, but also there's always that weird thing in the back of mind where I'm like, what if they don't do it? What if he lives? And then he get, dies, and I'm like, fuck, then you're like, all right. Not as good as the book. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, would, I probably would have been like, well, they changed that, but I liked it because he's going to have a little baby and take his wife on that vacation. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was what made it sadder, right? Should have seen that coming, actually, looking back. Well, I mean, even Chion <laughs> is at that point, he's like, you're, you're going to, she's going to get the call, like right before he shoots him out the window. When that like, guy is saying, you know, children are our future, and when you have no future, there's no point in living. Yeah. God, dude, that was like some fucking real ass shit. That sounds like something that was that if that happened to somebody, they would probably say something like that. They would feel like that. Maybe not go to the fucking watchtower and take a bunch of cops out, but like that that dialogue to me really, really hit home, and not not a lot of. Not a lot of dialogue does that anymore. I feel like I felt maybe because I was a kid more impressionable, but I felt like when I was younger, I felt dialogue as deep as that line. I don't know. It's been yeah. a while, but mm-hmm. it, but like I, I I was I very much appreciated that that whole scene there. Yeah, very real. Cool. Um, well, I just wanted to say something about like Vernon's character and his motivations and things and the ending. Um, cause the ending again is another moment that seems really poetic, you know, and they, it seems to me so much that like Vernon wasn't, wasn't just out to like, just murder everything he could and kill everybody he could. The, he was just killing things that were standing in his way of this like mission that I think he had in his head to get the boy, get the girl, kill the girl initially is what I think he was planning to do. But knowing that he couldn't yeah. do it at that point in the cave and then, then she still wanted to be there with him. And all the lines about, you know, they've only known each other their whole lives and everything. So seeing all three of them, the even the child that died through this whole thing, but we have evidence of the child being so much like his father in that one line. 
and then seeing all three of them like a painting like going into the fucking blizzard of snow and seeing these wolves running at him to me it seemed like there's an aspect of these characters that believed in this wolf curse because of the influence it had on their lives and the culture they grew up in and as they were walking in towards those wolves it seemed to me that Vernon knew the the girl knew and potentially the kid but the kid's dead he's just part of their blood but they knew that the only way to break this curse and stop all the death was to take this curse back to the wolves. That's what like I saw, and seeing those wolves run at him, and then it just cuts away and like you know, kind but, of. But why is he trying to kill her at all anyway? Just because he's I trying think, to be the I alpha think, wolf? No, I think he was trying to kill her partly because there's that line again, like you know, about like wolves going eating each other you know it's about the young in the movie or whatever but the idea of wolves eating cannibalizing one another i think there's something about like you know he he was going to kill her because she she went she went to she did the act of killing the boy and i think he, as a father he was angered you know in this real world kind of sense but then when he couldn't do it they she even knew she she wanted to die she was you know, if Jeffrey Wright would have strangled her when she came to snuggle up next to him and killed her and gone with what she was doing, she would have very well been, you know, just as happy to die that way, the way that her son died. Um, and then the way she was expecting to die, I think, by Vernon and Vernon not being able to do it, it seemed like there was this unspoken agreement between the two to, like, end their lives this specific way and go back to the wolves. All right. That's how I, that's how I read it anyway. That was all I wanted so, to say. I, I thought it was fucking fantastic. I'm going to go with that. Um, in Thanks, the book, bro. they just... Uh, do you want to know what happens in the book to Vernon yeah. and his wife? Yes. Uh, they just like survive and live out the rest of their days. Uh, Fuck his yeah. Fa- you get more of uh, stuff about his father. Like They even oh, go hunting together. And then um, he would, like out in the wilderness of Alaska, they would make these like pits that he would mm-hmm. just store food in. And they basically just live and, like, build something out in the middle of nowhere so no one can find them. Cool. And they, like, move around for a little bit. A happy like ending. Say, I mean, I guess. I mean. <laughs> I love a happy I, I did ending. Like the, I, did li- <laughs> I did like the way that they decided to end the movie with that, like, because I like the way you described it, Stefan. I like that more than knowing that they, like. Thank you. That they just, like, because yeah. they just live the rest of their days. I mean, in I, this kind of. Yeah weird fucked up relationship but i thought it was a beautiful film man yeah <laughs> let's do them indeeds indeed 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 sure andrew how many indeeds would you give this i gotta give it a 6.5 um maybe the lowest out of this group i'm feeling like but I give I'd give uh like green room I'd give like an 8.5 this 6.5 I don't know it was it was good like great some really great scenes but ultimately yeah just not something that's gonna stick with me for a long time I guess so yeah uh Stefan I'm gonna give this whole hold the dark movie uh I want to say a solid seven on this one and I know that's just seems like just only above Andrews but I think Andrew enjoyed it enough and for me I think the seven well you know what you know what I'm gonna go 7.5 my bad I'm gonna say 7.5 here because I really enjoyed it I think it's a really solid flick at times it gets a little slow 
Um, but like Maddie was saying, it wakes you up, and I do feel like I'd watch it again. I just want to be kind of conservative with my ratings, but I really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, I love this director, 7.5. Nice. Uh, I watched it twice. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, I watched it once, and then I put it on again because I was just like, I'm just going to put this on while I, I want to see the artwork. shootout scene again. Yeah. Well, I just, I feel like it's weird taking in a movie you've read the book too. I just, it's a different kind of experience. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to make sure I was like fully on board, board with the way I felt about it the first time, but I didn't really need to like reading the book, then watching it and then like paying attention to it. And the second time when I would just kind of like look up from time to time while I was working on something, um, I feel like I got the, I got it all. Maddie got it. He took it all in. Um, <laughs> I how I I will say that I enjoy Blue Ruin more. If I did put them in order of what you should watch, um, but they're a lot harder to find. Oh, I, Murder Party is on Netflix. So if you want to watch something before you go into Hold the Dark or after, just to get a feel for them, Hold the Dark and Murder Party are on Netflix now. But uh, Blue Ruin really blew me away. I put Green Room number two because I fucking love punk rock. Uh, number three, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would do Hold the Dark. And then number four, I would do Murder Party. Um, and that's not any, like, I just think out of those three films, murder, like out of those four films, Murder Party is probably the lesser one, less budget. You know, some of the acting's good. Some of it's not so good. Some of it's overacting, kind of leads itself to it. But I really think the film, like when he made Blue Ruin, that's like the film that he wants to make. And I feel like Murder Party was kind of just a fun idea. Some of his friends had and they're like well let's just make it a movie i'll throw money at that and it's like okay i guess i'll direct it kind of thing you know um Mm -hmm. but um yeah man i would give it i think i'm gonna give it an eight out of ten indeeds um i really enjoyed the experience (laughs) i like the book a lot i thought it was a really great adaptation um i think everyone's performance in it is solid i will agree and i've read other reviews where it does get slow and some people don't think it needs to be like a two hour because i think it's like two hours and nine minutes or something um, doesn't need to be that long and I'm sure they could have trimmed some stuff down but I definitely think like some of those shots of just the Alaska wilderness that he might have focused on just a minute too long it's like it's kind of worth that journey man like there's mm-hmm. not a lot of movies shot out there you I know, love that those and uh, the, the like the little Cessna scene too I, I, yeah. I love that shit any kind of shots like that the nature great. was amazing the, the locales yeah. were fucking beautiful and I love the idea of just like they actually, instead of just having Vernon come home and tell you that he was in Iraq or wherever, they did that stark contrast of like, here's mm-hmm. white to like yeah. the blazing hot, like the cold, cold to the blazing hot sun. And it's, yeah. you know, this, the, I think it says a lot for the character that he looks comfortable in both places. Kind of just gives you more about like who he is. Like, I can adapt to anything if it's what I have to do to survive and get back to people I care about, you know, and his weird fucked up sort of way of how he cares about people he doesn't seem like he's the most affectionate guy no he probably doesn't want to be little or big spoon i want to sleep on my side of the bed <laughs> I'm getting or sleep. Big spoon. I'm i forgot about for sleep's sake <laughs> I need it. Um, jeffrey wright was was um, he's always amazing yeah i like watching him in any movie hell yeah any show yeah. Hell yeah I mean he's amazing in it and I just thought it was like I just I was like oh so you know the main character that you like follow into this world is you know oh cool it's a black guy that's cool you don't really see that it's usually like a white guy that's hunting down stuff and then when I read the book I was like it was a white guy 
you're a genius, Jeremy Solner. You just chose an actor because he's fucking good for the role. Not because yeah. he matched the book or whatever, so... Perhaps he just had the best audition. Hmm. Yeah, that's what they say, anyway. <laughs> they got their Netflix money. But... <laughs> but, um... Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. I think everyone should be, like, watching it if you're just like, there's nothing on Netflix. Yeah. It's called Hold the Dark. Fucking watch it. It's good shit, baby. I do... I agree as well. We should be doing more of these, uh... Cool like Netflix hidden gems so uh, maybe we, we'll yeah. start we're gonna like implement this more and more and uh, you guys listening out there please drop us a line on any one of our social medias out there and try to fucking you know tell us what you want us to watch and then we'll watch it and review it you know yeah what hidden gems cool. need more uh, exposure and shit you know what I'm saying yeah. speaking of hidden gems oh dun, dun, shit dun, dun, segue dun, dun, dun. Um, so I did something a couple episodes back where I just uh, chose some movies that I like uh, for the uh, the spooky season, the Halloween season, because it's not just one day, people. It's all month long. <laughs> yeah. um, so my subject today will be werewolf movies. I know Sick. there's not a lot of good ones. We're going to do werewolf movies. I know there's not a lot of good ones. There's a lot of really bad ones. Um, and most people just watch The Howling and American Werewolf in London, which those are both classic werewolf movies. If you haven't seen them, watch them. I'm not telling you not to, but if you love them and you don't watch three other movies that I find very cool and up to par with those films, I mean, they're under it, but, you know. Um, so my number one choice is Bad Moon by Eric Red. He's the director, and it came out in 1996. It's based off a book called Thor, and it's told from the dog's perspective. The You can get it on Kindle, I think, for like four bucks if you're interested, but it's awesome. And while the acting is not great in this movie, um, the relationship between how much that German Shepherd hates that guy in that fucking werewolf suit makes the movie all that more believable because that dog wants to rip that werewolf apart. Um, so that's why I really like it because it's I don't really focus on the human characters. I'm more worried for the dog and like... Um, so I, it's one of my favorite werewolf movies. The werewolf costume into it is fantastic. It's I don't think it's ever been done that well. I think the transformation scene isn't that good, but the whole outfit is just kind of terrifying. Um, number two, uh, we were talking about Neil Marshall earlier because he's making that new Hellboy movie that looks sick. Just from a poster, Ooh. people, I've not seen anything else. He made a movie called Dog Soldiers where some uh british elites get trapped in a wooded area and werewolves are after them because they were soldiers before so sick and it's just they have this big fight out in a old farmhouse and it's awesome and you don't know who it's kind of like the thing at points because you don't know who's going to turn into a werewolf because they have been attacked by them when they get to the house so it's like who's gonna be who are the werewolves outside it's fucking awesome and they even have machine guns and it doesn't really help them uh and then my third pick is Late Phases. It used to be on Netflix. I think you can watch it on Amazon Prime now. Or Hulu. Great name. Um, but it is... Um, it's about a retired like Vietnam vet, army vet, something, who is blind now. His son drops him off in this like kind of like a community town that like people can look after him while his son has to like work in the big city or whatever. Just so happens, some of the town's folks are fucking werewolves. And he's nice. blind, which adds a cool dynamic to it. But he's also like been living with blindness for a while so he's like kind of a badass with it like he knows what's going on I mean, he's not perfect people i mean he blind falls. fury i mean when a werewolf's after you you're gonna fall down some steps um yeah it's basically that with werewolves uh i will say 
I'm not super stoked on the werewolf design, but it is very interesting. And I think the concept of like this blind man trying to protect this community of older people by himself against like three or four werewolves is a very cool concept. And at no point was I bored during it. Story good, design bad. I mean, yeah, it's just an interesting design. It's not what I would have done, but it yeah. is a cool werewolf movie, and it's kind of misleading because on the front there is, like, a full wolf head. So you're like, oh, shit, I'm getting, like, full-on guy turning into, like, a wolf that walks like a man kind of thing, which is my favorite werewolf design. I'm not a huge fan of the wolf man design. I mean, I'll take a werewolf movie wherever I can get it. Um but those are my three picks, and if you've never seen the Ginger Snap series, which I think within cult circles, they're amazing. You should watch all three of those, even yes. the one that puts them back in time. But I figure out a lot of these, people... what's the number one? I just I like to simplify it real. Bad like, Moon, dude. Bad Moon Bad is Moon. my favorite all werewolf right. movie. Hands yeah, all right. Bad Moon's sick. It does, it does everything I needed to do. And it ends with the titular song title by Clearwater <laughs> Revival. <laughs> so good. It does. Nice. Um, but... That's my uh, off the beaten path horror films, y'all. Nice, awesome. Hell well, of this a job. was a fucking awesome first edition of Spooky Spooky House. Woo! Yeah, this baby. year. Oh. I think this is Superhouse's favorite time of the year, and yes. Halloween's not just one day; it's all month, baby. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. All right, everybody, that was episode 149. One of these days, we're going to stop counting these episodes in all of our episodes, but we still have fun with it. So, yeah, it was episode 149. Why stop? Why stop, right? Yeah, Yeah. I guess it's tradition at this point. This is Superhouse episode 1452, (laughs) and we're old. And we're still deep diving in Hasbro. All right. Um, so, but uh, yeah, so uh, once again, check us out on Patreon, P A T R O. Nope, that's not it. P A T R E O N.com slash Superhouse Podcast. On there, you can uh, find our little donations. The lowest one is a dollar. And um, there's uh, a few other tiers on there for you to check out. And then also, we're on pretty much also other social media as well Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, YouTube as well. And we also have shirts at redbubble.com and tpublic.com. That's T-E-E public.com. And we can send you our logo if you want, and you can buy a Superhouse hat on capbeast.com. That's C-A-P-Beast.com. And I think that's it. I am Thunderwolf Lives on Instagram and Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter. And what you got, Stefan? I uh, got a whole lot of nothing. This is Stefan of the Superhouse Podcast signing off of Superhouse Podcast. This is Maddie signing off. Bye. Spook. See ya. This is Stefan from the Superhouse Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Patreon, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and any other godforsaken social media outlet that we that we should be floating on. We are basically on all social media. Yeah, all social media. Mainly Facebook and Twitter and Patreon. Check out the links in the description. We have a lot of uh, cool goals uh, set up on our Patreon. Like if you donate a dollar, you'll be able to uh, give us a topic for us to talk about. And that's we'll talk dope. about for maybe an hour or more. Who knows yeah. how long it'll take. And that's pretty tight. <laughs> That's the coolest thing. <laughs> Wait, we're on the internet? That's pretty good. If you and don- we can make money. <laughs> what? <laughs> if you donate $1,000, you get full frontal nudes. We haven't set that up, but it's a possibility. If you give us a grant, who knows what will happen. Check us out. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> I'll do that. 
<laughs> you get to go on a date with one of us for ten thousand dollars. <laughs> but you pay for everything. <laughs> you get to have your way with Maddie for twenty thousand dollars. I'm a million. I'll give you Joey for a weekend. <laughs> for thirty thousand dollars, we'll help you hide a body. Check out our Patreon. <laughs> Superhouse Gigolo Project. Twenty eighteen. <laughs> Links in the description. <laughs> Network.